So the problem that uh, we all meet is how, how do we get on in this world? How do we find a way in this world? How do we fit in this world? Uh, do we have to get shaped by the social and economic pressures and trends is, so we can fit into it? And when you see the results of that, when you try to do that and you see the results of that and you find it's kind of twisting you up and squashing you out and shutting you down and think, I fit into this, you know, can't really fit into it. So often people say, well, how do you, you know, do you practice in the world? <laughs> well, yeah, number big question. I don't have an easy answer for that. I hope you find your way. But on retreat, you're just beginning to 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 understand more intimately, you know, what what the world is, more, much more intimately, much more close up. Even though we can certainly seem to be operating in, a, you know, in Detroit or San Francisco or New York or somewhere, actually, yeah. But really, you're operating in terms of what perceptions, feelings, impressions inclinations, intentions, volitions, that which arises in consciousness, experiencing the sense of your form, other people's forms. We arise or we're actually closely associated or embedded in what are called the five aggregates, the five khanda. And uh, this is sometimes seems a little bit theoretical or mysterious because the words are not familiar. But this is how, you know, through this particular penetration, there there is a release um, from what can be released. We're all subject to, you know, old age, sickness, death, uh, and uh, things we have to do, and uncomfortable situations, and social obligations, and so forth. And you just... Well, you know, maybe well, those could be massaged or ameliorated if we begin to release what can be released. Then we might be able to view things in 
uh, uh, more clearer perspective, not so contracted and compulsive about it all. Now the five presentation, the five kanda, t- explains in its own way why there can be experience without an experiencer, <laughs> without a separate person who's dealing with stuff. Mm. You know, because it says this, this is actually what's happening. Consciousness arises, and it's associated with form, and this can be seen in several ways. Form in one as we see it often interpreted as body, physical body, but it means more than that. We can we can obviously all say, yeah, our consciousness arises dependent on this physical form, my body. Yeah. But actually, yeah, but it also arises dependent upon an object out there, a form out there that is seen. So it's external forms. It also arises dependent upon an an auditory object that is heard. There's an auditory form. There's a tactile form. There's a gustatory form. There's an olfactory form. There's even a cognitive form. So there can be a mind object, which acquires a subtle form. And the subtle form actually has enormous pressure under it, with it, you know. Just notice how, how obedient we are to things like numbers on dials, clocks. It's, we're late. You know, that's got a real a perception that acquires a tremendous uh, uh, form to it, doesn't it? You know, and so often we're formed by these virtual cognitive realities, such as my job, you know, um, the future, acquire an immense uh, uh, potency and pressure to shape our lives. It's a form, a mental form. Uh, mental forms are probably even more potent, powerful than physical or visual or the other senses. Because you can carry them around with you all the time. Yeah. As you know. You don't need one person ten years ago to tell you you're useless. Because you can carry that model around in your mind. Every time you forget, you can run it again. <laughs> Yeah, so you get a, you know, these cognitive virtual forms that have tremendous power to them. And why is that? Well, we'll get round to that. Consciousness and form. And then within those, within that, those two bookends, you might say, there's a whole set of other experiences that are happening. Mm-hmm which is the first is the quality of feeling, pleasure, pain, neutrality, where the feeling is not yet determined uh, or or doesn't come into focus or is wavering from pleasant to unpleasant. And the pressure of that. And the perception, which is the way we name the impressions that things have, sights and sounds, touches, the impression they give to us, faces, people's faces, big signals. Mm. So we can call it sanya, it's like signaling, signals, the flash. Mm. And dependent upon those arises something called sankara, which is, attempts to be translated in a number of ways. We have mental formations, we have volitional tendencies, we have karma formations, I sometimes use the word programs, the particular activities is another way, where something sparks and there's a, there's a movement. Essentially it's the movement quality that we experience. Mm. The movement internally experienced. So it can be a movement of rush. So colloquially sometimes this can be summed up as emotions, but though it's a bit more than that. Mm. There also, we can feel them in a body, rushes of energy, um, surges of contractions and releases, sankharas moving, bodily sankharas moving, jitta sankharas moving, the, say, the emotional or the uh, movements of, of, you know, inclination and aversion, wavering and worry. Those are all 
move that that moving quality of sankara, very powerful. Mm. And uh, kaya sankara, the bodily one, that which moves through us, we feel it rushing through our nerves, and it can, and chitta sankara, that movement running through our hearts, and what's called vajji sankara, which is the leap, the movement that rushes into thoughts that generates and triggers thoughts and keeps thoughts going. Different kinds of energies, aren't they? But they're all ignited, flashed, and then they start rolling, and they're able to trigger each other. So you get this kind of triggering effect where the sankharas start meshing and triggering. The vajji sankara gets a thought, gets agitated, then its movement agitates the chitta, chitta gets excited or unhappy, stirs away, gets into the body, the body starts getting tight or worried, then the chitta-sankara picks that up and gets even more frantic, and it starts to produce all kinds of thoughts about why I'm like this and how I should get out of it, and that spins around, the chitta gets even more frantic, <laughs> and, and so on, uh, or sometimes blocks it, I can't stand this anymore, look at something else, switch something on, drink something, to, to just find some way where I'm not just constantly getting triggered, because it just seizes up. And we really get the sense of this mass of suffering, a seizure into it. And that's felt both emotionally, we get tight, uh, frozen, uh, fixated. Uh, we get somatically, we get compressed or crushed yeah, by it. And in terms of the mind, we find ourselves unable to articulate in any clear way. We just kind of gasp and and talk about something else, or can't really even get words around what, what's it being experienced. So seizure and the collapse of, uh, of of clarity and empathy and a presence under the pressure of that. Mm. So this is the the five kanda. Yeah. And what is it that gives form its potency is sankara. Um, it it it, uh, it keeps sending energy into forms, into, so that they that they trigger off perceptions. So we see something, we like it, we remember that. Next time we see it, that the energy of you know runs out onto that object perception triggers that so that form becomes what I want you know and you after what you begin to recognize or what I don't want of course what I'm frightened of what, what I'm annoyed by so we build up particular habits addictions and phobias to put it very grossly you know strong habit tendencies and, and certain resistances and no-go areas and fears and can't manage you know Mm, so Sankara, through this triggering effect, begins to pour particular energy into forms that make them luminous or dreadful with perceptual significance. And then every time we see that thing, hear that thing, hear that voice, you know, see that person, even go to a place we were ten years ago and doom, Everything starts moving again. You know. mm. Then you begin, wow. So, you know, quite a lot of our practice is, so in that, uh, the, the split occurs of whereby there's this generation of somebody trying to manage all this stuff. Yeah. And Sankara then Ahang Sankara, the I am Sankara, tends to generate a kind of psychological form, a virtual form called me, who's trying to handle all this stuff through what, whatever he can do. Generally block, bluff, look the other way, have something else, shut down, calm it, yeah, and doing something or the other to try to make that, all that system a little more comfortable. And that's basically how what we do, how we practice. 
Uh, you've got to start somewhere. So you start from the I am position, seeking your own welfare, while Jitta is still very much enmeshed in this system, taking its cues from this these these candors, taking its sig- taking its signals from these candors, contracting because of these candors, yeah, agitating because of these candors. Mm. Then you see, well, you know, you've got to start somewhere. You start from the I am position. So I really want to get my act together. Okay, I take on precepts. I cultivate skill to behavior. I associate with wise people. I learn to meditate to calm the mind, quieten down a bit. Uh, and we start with it, and then we start to, how is this? Listen to teachings and try to integrate that. You know? We start to integrate things we perhaps could do, get a bit of focus, get a bit of self discipline, a bit of restraint going. You know, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. And as you do that, then that definitely, you can, I don't think one can underestimate the requirement and the need for that what we call samatha, broadly speaking, just to get some feel-good, to get some stability. And it, uh, it's not just a personal thing, it's actually a requirement to, because the, the, the process of aggregation is so reactive and so potent that you just can't find a, a chink to get in. You know, it's just so tightly wound up, you can't find any space in there to to get in and, and see it as it is. It's all just so immediately bound up into I am. And so the wise person just not calm. You know, and then you can't really um, underestimate the requirement for that. And when you live in, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know, this is something that's as necessary as cleaning your teeth or if you don't clean your mind, imagine what it's like if you didn't clean your teeth for a month or you didn't wash for a month. <laughs> so how can you get through a day without cleaning your mind, realizing how much stuff that can pick up? You only eat maybe two or three times a day, but your mind gobbles up every second. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've got to kind of clean it. And this is the fundamental way just for seeking one's welfare, okay, just drop into something, presence. And here, you can't, I think one really needs to fully understand, acknowledge the value and the power of these apamana, these measureless abidings. Because surely we seek our welfare, surely that shouldn't be too difficult. And if we come out of the, it helps us to come out of the I am package a little bit by just learning to receive, rather than do it even, just to receive, acknowledge with gratitude the good stuff that's happened to me, from other beings. Uh, I feel a little bit more settled because I don't feel in such a hostile environment. So you begin by changing your world to a degree. Your, your psychological world. And it's certainly, you know, feeling more comfortable, more settled, the tissues start to relax a little bit. And then could this come to this one? Into the body, into the mind, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be good, because this is like un- unconditioned. From the ground. Sympathy with the pain and the, and the wackiness of one's mind. Seeing underneath that, why does it go wacky? Why does it go crazy? Because something stabs it. The pain of separation, the pain of loss, the pain of being left out, the pain of somehow, and the fundamental emotional pain to me always comes down to withdrawal of love, withdrawal of inclusion. You're not wanted, you're not welcome, you're not good enough, you're not the same as everybody else. You're second rate, you know. You have to be something other than what you are in order to get this stuff. Well, that's really cruel, isn't it? But it happens. Humans do this to each other. Mm. So, or well, if you do this and that and the other, you'll get a portion. Then you're, you're, then you're on the track. 
transactional love, we call it. A spoonful. <laughs> so uh, coming to something more unconditioned, really, and this is where you, you, you're just doing, doing it in your, because you're not going to find it in the world, in the physical, sensual world. in the same depth. If you can, great. <laughs> you know, but just going right, because who else can know you exactly? Every, t- every movement, every twitch, every, who else can know you but you? You may indeed have good friends who sometimes are mystified at why you're in a bad state. They'd love to help you. They can't quite get in there. You know? And maybe they can help you to help yourself, to see where you're going wrong. But then eventually the quality of this acceptance, whoever it's triggered by, that's, that's done in oneself, isn't it? whoever triggers that or supports that or encourages that. And yeah, good friends can do that, absolutely. You don't want to be without them. So this you could say is a kind of samatha practice in that it definitely gives the mind some assurance, some calm, some ground. Without ground, I don't think you, I don't really see much hope. There's a ground of goodwill, kindness, compassion, and the ground of, the somatic ground of presence in the body. So either and preferably both of those. They don't have to be 100% just good enough to do some work, because as you develop them, and you be, they, they then begin to loosen the reactivities, then you deepen and you get more in touch with them. How do they loosen these reactivities? Well, if we look at something, because the reactivity actually, when it comes down to it, is not form, it's not consciousness, it's not perception, it's sankhara. That's the jump, that's the mover. And if, so if we get down to the one thing to contemplate, well, maybe the two, you know, perception and, and volition. Something is seen in the triggering. You know, something is seen in the triggering. Something is remembered in the triggering. Something is anticipated in the triggering. Yeah. So if we could get around that system and just hold it with a quality of, okay, there it goes. Uh-huh. Warmth, acceptance of that. Mm. And sooner or later, in that process, there's less of the defensiveness, less of the secondary action. Here I am getting annoyed, here I am getting craving, here I am, I shouldn't be this way, I'm getting attached, oh dear, I shouldn't be attached, you know, whatever those terms mean. The, the, the person who started meditating with good intentions finds out they're actually a neurotic wreck. <laughs> Oh, I didn't want to know that. I wanted to just get calm and happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, this this is the this is the correct way <laughs> through through the through the train wreck, you know, to the other side. Rather than getting your train repainted and back on the track, if you want to really do the work, just move through that, and that's not tremendously ego enhancing. It's deep, deeply humiliating. <laughs> I tell you the truth. <laughs> but it more or less forces this kind of gut level kitchen sink acceptance, because what else can you do? React, preach. Beat yourself up again. <laughs> what else are you going to do? You know, 
Yeah. And then just as you loosen all these what are called latent tendencies, which we never really surface because you were so dense and compacted and shut down, they didn't have a chance to break through. You're so busy dealing with this and that and getting things done and getting this done on time and figuring her out and making a deal with him and so forth. You never had a chance to really do what was at the bottom of the heap. Whereas you start to clear the stuff off the top, then the stuff at the bottom of the pile, what are called the latent tendencies, become rampant tendencies, no longer latent. (laughs) 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 And, you know... (laughs) Because now there's room for them to breathe. And an idea in the long-term process, you want them to sort of breathe and blow out, you know, go on their merry way and, and cease. That's, that's, the, that's the map. <coughs> that which arises also in Kara as a transient, impermanent, the nature is to rise and pass away. Well, in a sentence, that's pretty neat. If it takes ten years, it's not so faith-inducing. <laughs> But that's, that's, that's the map, you know. It has to arise. You can't deal with it unless it's arisen. You know, things I would rather like not to arise, but they did arise. And once they've arisen, no, you can't push them back in the bottle anymore. Well, you can do, but they're going to arise again. Oh, dear. Then you've got to hold this carefully with a heart of goodwill and compassion and feel it in your body and try to lessen the reactions to that and in that process it fades, it ceases, you know, we let it go, it comes back again, you do it again, it comes back again, you do it again. And gradually each time you're able to do that with a little more shift towards viveka, viraga, you know, that sense disengaged, get dispassionate, okay, so, you know, everybody gets this, so you don't take it so personally then there's a possibility that ceasing, it ceases the moment, then it ceases, the reactivity ceases, doesn't keep going on. As that process continues, the cessation becomes more long-lasting. You know, it hardly ever comes, and then it stops arising. Ooh. And it wasn't because you got rid of it. It wasn't because you, you stopped it happening, it's because you actually had what it takes, you know, you develop what it takes to have the compassion, the kindness, the equanimity and so forth, and the, almost the somatic, you know, steadiness to bear this process. You know, and there's a lot made about what we can do, but I tell you the most important thing, we just bear with it and stay open to it. That's the most important thing to do. And whatever you, whatever subsidiary energies you need to do that, you can sit, walk, get up in the morning, you know, stay there with it, um, start pushing, you know, shifting perception, don't even look at that anymore, give yourself a break. You know, whatever you do on that secondary level to support this ability to find yourself, stay maintaining presence as you go through your jealousy and rage and fear and grief and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Latent tendencies. So they're, ex- so they're exhausted. And I say, you know, the, the of course, you know, the, the big remedy is, well, don't identify with it. Just, you know, let the, the um, bad mood arise, let the fear or worry arise and just don't identify it. Oh, well, that's true, but mm, just do it, huh? Because <laughs> <laughs> the person can't do it. The person is the result of all that. They can't do it. This is why there's such a ongoing requirement that kind of surrender to the, well, I'm calling it the triple gem, the devotion, the laying oneself down, opening self, oneself up to it, just, and that gesture of, you know, I open this up, you know, and lay it out, and my faith, you know, or one's growing faith is that everybody has come this way, yeah, Tathagata's Buddhas came this way, they had to deal with fear, 
and craving. Every disciple came this way. They had to deal with jealousy and fumbling and making a fool of themselves and so forth. <laughs> they had to go, this is the way. <laughs> yeah. Or you, you know, you might get a brick, but you have less to deal with, some a lot less to deal with, or less intensities or less complexities. But essentially it's that way through the hindrances and through what are called the defilements and so on, and through the latent tendencies and through these other pieces of Buddhist language, it's more specific, but essentially through the rough stuff. So I identify it says, well, okay, how do you do that? Well, you have to get to basic ground, you know, somewhere a presence that isn't really yourself, not your personal identity, just the sense of presence there. You know, somatically that can be felt, we can call it open awareness, if you like. And, um, you know, that is going to be how you access that, is through these practices such as loving-kindness, compassion, breathing in and out, you know. that is Those are paths that can begin to touch you into something that's not volitional, it's not something you do, it's, it's there. Yeah, and you keep coming back to that. Uh, and that's where conditions, when conditions, sankara cease, that's where they end. They fade out onto that. So, you know, we just begin to touch something, and this is kind of our act of faith, and in a way our devotion, our sense of offering to it, if we can't feel it yet, we at least sense there is that, there is such a thing as Buddha. Tathagata, the, the chitta that's gone beyond. There is that. And I, and every time we offer a little more to that, then that again is coming out of the me box, isn't it? Yeah. So whether there is or isn't, you don't know yet, <laughs> maybe. Whether there is such a thing or not, you don't know. You maybe think it could be, it sounds like it should be, or I, I can't get there. What you can do is just start to come out of your box. You know, your your self obsession, your self tension, you're holding yourself so tightly and so so much self importance and so much apprehension about losing face and all these things. It's, you know, just chant <laughs> and lay it down. And if well, actually when you do that, you do get oh, feels a bit easier. Because it does, that gesture, and if it's done from the heart, it does seem to open a space where we're a little more belonging to some, what do you call it, some psychological domain, some some dimension, some heartfelt experience of sacred, blessed, that which is compassionate, that which is clear, that we we can touch into that. Mm. So that's a helpful resonance and it triggers and it, it gives rise to particular perceptions that we can hold in mind when we're feeling rocky you know, and, and frightened and tense. Just being able to do that. And the more you, again, the more you're just coming out of the box and, you know, this, this movement, you can do it. Don't have to hold yourself so tight. Uh, maybe you know this seemingly small thing does begin to cause the recognition of you, know, you don't have to be so tight when you're not so tight, not so defended, not so perched that even that little bit of loosening you get a sense of a, a warm uh, faith quality and energy arising. And yeah, something there. And perhaps one's getting less triggered by sense contact, less triggered by memories, and less and the sankara is at least a bait. Yeah. And we begin to get the sense when there's less me in this, it gets easier. And this hinge point for the good intentioned person who meditates. Yeah, recognizing eventually when there's less me in it. Not when there's less greed in it, less fear in it, 
But when there's less me in it, it gets a bit easier. Okay? We'll deal with the rest of it. But when there's less me in it, then here's the craving, here's the agitation, here's the defensiveness, here's the spitefulness, here's the irritation, here's the depression, the sadness. Oh, And just that easing out of the me box a tad allows the natural quality of citta, which is naturally in its resonant form empathic, compassionate, non-abusive, is present. This is the quality of just what's, we might say, half an inch above the unconditioned or the ground. We come into acknowledging experience, that which is manifesting. And instead of, there's just a little more empathy and compassion and warmth towards that. A little more ability to breathe out with that. It doesn't impact so, so intensely. We still feel it, but it doesn't quite cause the same degree of contractions and reactivity. You know, you, instead of having 15 reactions, you get down to 10. Then you get down to 5. <laughs> and then it goes on for only 3 minutes rather than a day. <laughs> you know, it just starts to pair, you know, sand off some of those layers of reactivity. Well, that, that's the humbling process. Mm. And then what appear to be, you know, the problems one's obsessive thoughts, one's particular local topical issues with him or her or that or the system or them, as we pair you know, oh no, actually, yeah, but underneath that is just fear, need, craving, sensitivity, being hurt, being left out. Yeah. So you come down to much more transpersonal and um, qualities of difficulty than occur. And while we can even really notice these, Although they create a person, they're not, they're not a person. They definitely create a person. But they're not a person. So there's something, even though it seems rather grim, there's something really compassionate about the, the emphasis or the, the way that the you know, classical teachings keep listing all these horrible qualities that human beings have. <laughs> you know, gory detail. Uh, because it's kind of compassion. It's, oh, there's nothing wrong with you then. This is like, everybody gets this. That's pretty generous, really. So the fear and the shame and the all that begins to abate and then well this is there's the irritation, there's the jealousy, there's the wanting, there's the wishing to be loved or you know, there's that wanting it. It's very embarrassing. But that has to go eventually. And this is surely one of the benefits of of any kind of Sangha, whether you monastic or group you begin to sense, oh yeah, everybody, everybody's with this, we all know that. And uh, stop bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> and, don't, and also, you know, just because you wanted to kill me yesterday doesn't mean you actually hate me forever. It's just the moment when it flashed out over me not passing the sugar. <laughs> 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 well, never mind, because I'll do it to you tomorrow. You know? <laughs> So you sort of present, come out with that, oh yeah, then it's really not a person. It's just those energies sparking and flashing around. And this is this kind of watching one's neurotic mess unravel. Being with that, with a mind of compassion, goodwill, and, you know, hoping that there might be some equanimity one day. Certainly the sharedness of the experience tends to take the emotional reactivity down another big notch. (laughs) 
benefit of 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 group practice and and spiritual friendship and teachers is something you can just spill the beans with uh, and not trying to fix it not trying to say you should be another way and saying oh yeah this is this is this this is that just can you bear with that i know it's difficult can you just bear with that hold it in your body where is it where do you feel it in your chest in your shoulder in your throat See if you can just widen and soften around that area to get enough space, enough uncontracted space. Yeah, and this is an important piece. There's enough of the uncontracted to handle the contracted. You can't handle the contracted with the contracted. It's like if you're getting tense, going into the tense place with a tense mind, tensely trying to get rid of tension. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? <laughs> So how do you relax with tension? When you say, well, my ears are not tense. <laughs> the sole of my foot is a little bit tense, but I can relax there. The palms of my hands are a little bit stressed, but I can actually soften the fingers. And the signal. This is where you turn the, the aggregates the other way. Instead of them being what are called upadana kanda, when the whole thing is under the power of Tanha and Upadana, this contracting, clutching, then you use the same system the other way. Right? So when we talk about the, the aggregates free themselves through wisdom. Yeah? So we come into this contracted body and find out somewhere in this, because contraction is not the total story. Otherwise you would not certainly not be meditating or even trying. So you are, there is a place where I'm not contracted. You go there. That's that's your reference point. That's your frame. And from that place, hold the contracting into whatever it's doing, emotions, projections, fantasies, just with a sense of compassion and equanimity. It's like this. Now in the body, that of course could be the peripheries, the hands, the feet, loosening there. It's often the core that gripping is in the abdomen, the solar plexus, the throat, around the eyes, the forehead. So just just widen, soften, to find the places where, oh yeah, and the ground beneath. And then you've got a, a reference to an uncontracted frame. That um, so like this way in somatic practice, you begin to generate new pathways. So instead of that volitional activity just going always into the contracted areas and tightening it up, and the person going into those contracted areas and really trying to get out of them, you know, so the whole thing becomes locked in a gridlock. Yeah, and then you say, look, whatever you do, don't deal with it. <laughs> Your good intention to deal with it will probably mean you go into the gridlock. The way to deal with it is to not deal with it, <laughs> but resonate with it, which is you contemplate, okay, around the space of my body feels pretty free. And pick up the sanya, the sign, right? the sign of openness, the sign of groundedness. Just pick that up. Really, and this is what perception can do, get the your attention, which is an aspect of sankara, the ability to turn attention and hold a frame, attend to that, absorb that, take it in, steady it, give it all the time in the world till you feel that, and then is it possible now to hold or attend to this difficult place from a place which is compassionate, wants to be with it, but refuses to go into it. No, that's Viveka. You want to be with it, but you're not going to go into it. You're not going to go into it with your fix-it mind, with your blaming mind, because you know that's just going to wind you up even more. So, you know, now, similarly, you know, Metta, Karuna, so on, they are, in a way, they're Viveka practices. They are disengagement from ill will. from pickiness, from, um, you know, recriminations, from guilt, from fear, 
from inferred hostility, from hurry up and get it done. And there, there's a their time, their, their experiential time is really slow, really low, slow rhythm to it. That's yes, all the time in the world. So when we recognise time is a measure of our intensities, and we come into a place where it's really low intensity seems all the time in the world it's a low steady rhythm of heart soothing and you pick that up tune into it and then whatever can be held in that frame whatever piece of of fear or worry or doubt can be held there that's the peace and you have to be modest. Now, I can't deal with a whole mass of suffering, one shot. But this one particular piece right now, that's the piece on the agenda, because that's the one that landed. Okay. Right. This. Be with this. So it gets person-specific in a way. As pieces of your personal karmic predicament start to make themselves available to your presence, your compassion. And they're not very nice, necessarily. They're not very nice. This is the test of of compassion. And sometimes you don't, you know, well, you have to f- ideally feel it on a, just on this, from the ground, from this grounded or present or more open-hearted state. Is otherwise you don't really even recognize it. You think it's other people. It seems to be other people. Or it seems to be something, oh, it doesn't really matter. Just having a funny mood, you know. Or often they're frozen. They're so compacted they get frozen. So, we just feel down all the time. Why? I just feel heavy and down. Can't even see anything, nothing happening. It's just solid, it's not anything happening. It's just like a blanket of damp fog has settled. There's no particular triggering, it's not volitional, it's not jumping around, it's just sitting on me like a weight. What's that? You know? yeah. And so this is the frozen states, where the, these, the, in fact, the you know the flashing of things has stopped. It's just become a dense blanket of of depression, inability, frustration, failure, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And these, these require have to be acknowledged. Loneliness. Mm. And whatever one can do from that place of feeling lonely. Mm. It's just enter the quality of it. Bleakness of loneliness, of depression. Well, mm, don't enter it too. <laughs> but just is the place to sense that whenever that happens may not even be happening maybe just the residual film that sits on the over the chitta mm. this is where you know one can again one can't underestimate the value of of spiritual friends uh, and shining some light, but um, why is it so difficult to have kindness towards myself? Why do I feel I'm not worth it? Why can't I find the the, the matchbox to switch the thing on? You know, where's the switch on this? Why can't I do meta to myself? Mm. So, in such a case, well. Just remember 
the time when someone has presented it to you and feel the wriggling of discomfort of but I wasn't really worth it and he's just a nice guy and after all I'm pathetic to need so much other people's kindness I should I do this on my own after all I'm a grown up <laughs> you know I'm not, not even wanting to be touched by other people's kindness because it, it activates that feeling of failure needy this is deeply weird and embarrassing stuff and I, you know, I've, I've been I've been there personally you know, I always retract from people's goodwill because it's just too too disturbing and some even though it doesn't make sense at all why that should be the case where you know I say sometimes release through the personal because sometimes when you actually sense what is being touched the frozen state the blocked state and if you encourage to regard others in their states with some compassion this is what communities are about really and the benefit of community I can't do it to myself I can do it to somebody else who's in a real mess <laughs> and I begin to learn to not you know ask them to be different but just to hold them with compassion and you get a sense of that, that something begins to know the person you know when I mean the person I don't mean you or me just the nature of personhood it starts there's, there's a, like a uh, something that wasn't known like we've created a pathway as we do in our in our bodies you create pathways where energy can shift to another place rather than to those tight contracted places and the energy the heart energy instead of going into the person who should be other than they are place it goes into well life is like this hold this with compassion it goes you create a pathway through that so you know practicing externally practicing internally doesn't really matter because you're always practicing internally whether it's other people or yourself but generating those pathways to compassion to the person the person form you know what the person form is about mm. right and that's the same for everyone in different forms different you know, degrees so something starts to know this person could also be held in the same way this is very good for when we can't even see what the problem is we just feel completely flattened or compressed by that well, who does she look what does she look like what does she feel like you know, tense tight shut down curled up starved hungry desperate what does she you know what does she look just imagine what what this person would look like in that that, that state if you could give that state a face what would it look like if you could give that state a body what would it look like shoulders hunched head down doggedly ploughing on <laughs> one of those yeah. you know, terrible brow furrowed tight shut down oh wow poor guy <laughs> you know oh when you see it in that sense and just touching into that the weight the frozen person the shut person when you can't find you know the particular details the particular volitional patterns you just go to the whole picture of that there's a person there when there's a person there there's suffering there mm. what does it need mm. and we don't have an answer but we open with compassion and gradually that person starts to open up 
And maybe what they feel is their depression turns, their loneliness turns into sadness. But it's, at least it's moving now. At least it's moving. They can, they can see it. Yeah. Their frozen state turns into anxiety. Well, at least it can be seen now. Their irritability turns into frustration. Can't get there. Feel shut down. Feel threatened. At least it can be seen now. At least the sankara can be seen instead of just being completely flattened into a person. So un- unraveling the person pack. Uh, so we start to begin to experience these as dynamic, not nice, not ego enhancing, but at least they're moving now. And uh, you know, at least we can generate that which can sense the arising, the triggering, the rising, the surging, where it goes to, and just that place where it goes to say, okay, there's another place you can go to, which could be compassion, goodwill, or at least non-harming, non-accusing, non-recrimination. You could go there. And just touching into that, it is, oh, it doesn't bounce back anymore. Oh, you see the place where it can subside. Neuroda. This is practical, not glamorous, but practical. And, uh, you know, as we get some faith in that trend, because you see it just subside for a moment, or little less reactive, the faith increases, oh, this must be the way. Mm. Oh, yeah. Do it again. Let it happen again. And it really, uh, you know, as you until it isn't there anymore, it doesn't arise anymore, because there's no more belief in that system. There's no more intrinsic grasping at that. Uh, you know, and the really earnest practitioner must seek situations that will get, that will push their buttons, because you want to see it happen again and again. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I started, I started doing a lot of, when I started practicing, I did a lot of solitary practice, and that was, you know, I was, can't say, oh, you know, it was bad. I really tried hard and did three years solitary on my own, and then had to live in a community. And it's how intensely frustrating and annoying living in a community is. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't everybody be normal like me? <laughs> and so it wasn't when necessarily acted upon it. We always feel a sense of, you know holding yourself against these other people, talking at the wrong time, silly jokes that are not funny at all, (laughs) and weird preferences that make no sense, and they don't understand the Dhamma really, otherwise they wouldn't be attached to these silly things, you know, like like I am, you know, they're kind of, you know, getting really quite intense and um, serious about it all. Unfortunately, living in communities where that isn't given much shrift, you know, people just laugh at you. <laughs> Which isn't always helpful, but, you know, people have their own intensities to get buried in. But in community life, you really see it. Some monk, you know, he's got some obsession about washing, needing to wash their arms bowl with, they can't use soap. They have to use ash from a fire because soap somehow they've decided it's impure you know, okay that's his thing right now this one <laughs> has to have his robes dyed this colour because he finds it more authentic to have it darker or okay it's his thing you know people are getting stuck in their thing or some, somebody's got some 
interpretation of suttas they must have preached to everyone else you sit and listen to them, go, who cares anyway or somebody's got some particular point of training they think is really important you think, oh god why am I so difficult obsessive not like me because <laughs> 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 even have sticking to the opinion that it doesn't matter is still another opinion isn't it it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter to me that's my opinion Oh, another form of attachment. So anyway, we get really intense, but then, and always trying to sort of separate yourself from, in some ways, hold yourself separate. And by and large, you know, having certainly been very big, multinational, open-ended communities where all kinds of people coming through, kind of always speak the language, untrained, all sorts of stuff going on, and you're trying to hold... Or again, just wanting to throw people through a window sometimes. You feel <laughs> like just the sense of relief. You get this person just like, chuck them down the window. Whoops. Because he's banging on about this thing. We've talked it over and over and I've just had enough. So it's... <laughs> but, you know, you feel, oh my goodness, I've never actually had committed a single violent action towards another human being until I became a Buddhist monk. <laughs> you know, like, wow. I didn't do it, incidentally. <laughs> but even with that flash, the red flash, I've just I've gone to the edge of all I can stand. You know, the flash, the red flash r- rushes up and you just look the other way for a moment. Excuse me. Walk up and down. Okay. So, yeah, perhaps you could talk to somebody else for a while. (laughs) 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 Oh, this is doing me no end of good, you know. (laughs) Just really massaging those tight bits, you know, massaging those those tight bits. (coughs) You know, until you get it, it's never the way you want it to be, you know. Stop having an idea of how it should be, you know. Instead, be compassionate. Yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, as one, you kind of look into these things and don't don't be bashful or frightened or embarrassed about your your tough stuff. I mean, you've got to treat it with respect. You don't want to throw yourself into it full tilt without resources, but then there's a time when you th- you've got the basic stuff. You know, look at your buttons. Look at the flashpoints. You know? Because the transmutation of those isn't just about getting rid of them so you don't have them. That's, that's one way of putting it. I mean, it's true. But this isn't like, oh yeah, so now I'll be a nice, better person. This is, I'm going to get out of the person altogether. You know, because this is going to touch into places I didn't know existed. You know, beyond the personal. This, once you've seen that there's no way that the person eventually cannot manage this. Yeah, you can shy away from the trigger points for a while, but the person will always come back to them. Because there's, there's, there's no escape from that. The person is, is a result. It cannot escape from its own shadow. But there is a turning of a new pathway can be made where all that sankara energy shifts and those sankaras actually become beneficial programs and volitional tendencies towards the kind, the generous, the forgiving, the equanimous, the grounded, the present, the spacious, the unconditioned. That's where they go. Yeah, that's where they fade out. And that's a pathway we can't predict or plan for. But through this finding a path and following that path, the path goes to Nibbana, not the person person fades en route. (laughs) 
and then can this take on a can this come into an individual form mm. well the example is yes it can you know buddhas certainly seem to be able to act speak walk around see bodies have fully functioning consciousnesses make decisions yeah be firm be yeah they seem to be able to do that yeah thank goodness otherwise we wouldn't have this that somebody's prepared to be a, enough of a person to hand this stuff down you know, and not just buddhas but other beings who have walked that route so it does can come into individual form but the first thing is to birth you know receive open the pack see you know understand what's in there don't be daunted by what's in there it has to be seen find the resources to handle that those resources that's what you rely on and every time you handle it those resources get stronger and stronger and stronger till they become unerring there's no contraction <laughs>